Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Drew Stevens. Drew is a business growth specialist. He has over 25 years of experience, and his consulting firm, Stevens Consulting Group, has attracted clients such as AIG, Hilton Hotels, AT&T, the Federal Reserve Bank, the New York Times, Quicken Loans, and over 500 other organizations. He travels around the world. He's provided advice to well over 60,000 professionals, and he's published six books on strategy and over 100, I'm sorry, six books on sales and over 150 articles on sales and selling strategy. Okay, Drew, thank you for joining us today. And our, we're going to be talking about Aligning the Stars Holistic Approaches to Sales and Marketing Alliances. So tell us, uh, Drew, there's always been a, a chasm between sales and marketing personnel. What's different about that today? Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Linda. And uh, it, this is a topic that I'm really passionate about and doing quite a bit of research with it as well. What I'm seeing today is exactly what you said. There is a chasm. And what I have noticed is that many organizations have shied away from the one thing that they need to be focused on. That is the client. And it's interesting because as an advocate, as a reader, and as somebody who, in a sense, was mentored by Peter Drucker, I, I am always reminded of, of that line that business exists for only one thing, and that's the customer. And by having these chasms, what occurs is simply bureaucracy and hierarchy as well as just the need to make money rather than the focus on what it really truly needs to be on, and that's the customer, him or herself. So how do you see that as being different today and in this environment than, than it's – we've always had kind of this problem. Do you see this getting better, worse, the same? I see it as a need to help an organization become more strategic in the way that they're handle, handling their clients. In years past – Salespeople thought that the marketing department made these pretty brochures. The marketing department thought that sales just made you know, as much money as they possibly can. While working together, they can both understand what the wants and the needs of the client are. Let's face it, <clears throat> what it really boils down to is the fact that customers today know much more about the organizations that they have, than they have ever had before. Part of that is because of the proliferation of technology. Part of that is because many organizations have been around for so long that it's easy to find out this information. What is most prevalent today is a relationship with the client. That's what the clients want. As a matter of fact, 45% of every transaction is related to the client experience. So with that, both sales and marketing can work together to try to create that experience. Now, you said 45% of the yes. transactions related to the, to the relationship, almost half. Right, almost half. Wow. So th that's, that's important to know. How much does organizational culture impact this relationship? Oh, goodness. It's, it's like anything else, it starts at the top. It, it's a very big part of it. If you have a leader or a group of leaders that essentially are enacting with silos, which gets me into a whole other conversation about the way that leadership is today, because leadership is not holding people accountable. There are way too many silos in organizations. But you're absolutely right. Culture plays a lot into this. If you have an organization that really focuses on the client, then you don't have these silos. Great examples of that. Two, 
two avatars would be Southwest Airlines and Apple. And the reason being is because Steve Jobs looks at every client as an opportunity, not as a money maker. Now, eventually they make money, but the reason why the iPod, the reason for the iPhone and, the, and that stellar growth is because that's what clients want. With Southwest Airlines, it's now Colleen Barrett, but when it was Herb Kelleher and she took over from his organizational culture, the focus was on the client. The reason being is because nobody likes to fly. Everybody thinks that flying is fearful. Everybody thinks that flying is expensive. And most people don't like the flight attendants. Southwest makes it into a fun experience. They tell jokes. They dance in the aisle. All kinds of crazy things that by the time you take off and land, you don't even know that you're in an air, uh, on an air flight. Now, it's almost with Southwest is like they, they don't take themselves too seriously. Not at all. Yeah. But, it, but it is a very serious business. Yep. And interestingly enough, still the only profitable airline in the Americas. Yeah, I think since 9-11 that's been true. Yes, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Do you have, a, you have a quote you've mentioned about implementing this optimization. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, what I <clears throat> truly believe, and part of this is a research study that I'm doing as an adjunct with West Virginia University, is I'm starting to look at the process of the IMC, an acronym for Integrated Marketing Components, and realizing that you know, it's more than just the four C's. It's more than just advertising and promotion that puts this whole thing together. There really needs to be an optimization of both the sales and the marketing departments to really gather up how to meet the customer need. And so the, the research that I'm doing interacts all of these parts and makes sales and marketing part of this whole IMC process because I believe in two things that, that I'm stemming from this research. Number one is that sales and marketing need to go on client calls. They need to do more focus groups. Essentially, they need to be closer with the client to truly get an understanding of what the client wants in order to create that relationship. Secondly, is that I'm adding two new P's onto the marketing mix of the 4P process, which is part of the whole IMC, which is people, uh, I'm sorry, price, place, promotion, and product, and that is people and processes. Because clients look at the people that they're dealing with, and customer experience is not just an external thing, it's an internal thing as well, because each department serves each other, and the more efficiently they're serving each other, more efficiently, they're also serving the client. And with that then goes processes. If your processes are that difficult to have, in other words, account receivable, account payable, shipping, receiving, even marketing, and if marketing is uh, you know, advertising messages, those sorts of things, in, in other words, the process that a client sees what those marketing messages are, anything that interferes with that relationship is then going to impact the experience that the client has. So all of this gets facilitated with, a, with what I, I'm calling sales and marketing optimization so that at the end of the day, the client is much more happy with the experience that they have with you. They remain more loyal, and more importantly, a loyal customer is then an adjunct to your marketing department. More and more, where customers themselves start driving the passion around a brand and, and the company as much as the company does. That's correct. Yep, that's and that's, and it, what you just said is, is absolutely vital because three great examples of that, Cadillac, Xerox, Coca-Cola, huge and, and billions of dollars of marketing dollars, that is, but just in brand alone. You sit down at a restaurant, you order a Coke. 
You go to make a copy, you make a Xerox. You want to be the Cadillac of the industry. And when that continually happens and people are talking about you like that, that's what really brings it on. And two perfect, perfect examples of this, Linda, in, in our recent times are, one, Crocs. Because Crocs was just this tiny little shoe company, and one client told another, told another, told another. It is now an $8 billion business. And the second was the iPhone. And the reason being that I say that is that from January 6th of 2007, when Steve Jobs came out with the Apple Fair and said, we've got this cell phone, Apple did no advertising. Who did the advertising for the iPhone were the excited customers that wanted this new innovative product. Who also really created the buzz on this was the media, because yep. the media saw this as great innovation, but they were the marketing adjunct for Apple. Absolutely. By exactly. the time the Apple came out on January, uh, June, I'm sorry, um, I think it was in the 20s or the, the very last part of June of 07, the day that they opened up, it was 140,000 units sold. There were people in line for hours. That, that's correct. And, and they that, did, that itself became a media event. Correct. And no advertising. Yep. None. Zip. Not a The best product in the world that didn't have any advertising. Amazing. So you mentioned some best practices, Drew. What are the things that we could do if, um, if we're not Apple, we're not Southwest? What could we do to implement um, and, and build our business up? Excellent question, because th those are the three areas, that, or the area, I should say, that I always tell people is best practices. Number one, it's about creating brand awareness. And the way that you create brand awareness is with simple things. The very first thing I always tell people is it's the simple things. Simple things being aesthetics. Look at the way the phones are being answered. Look at the way phone calls are being returned. Look at the way uh, emails are both answered and returned. And look at just even the professional dress code. One of the things that I look at amongst offices today is this business casual attire, which I so am in aberration of, it's not funny. I'm one of those children of the 80s. I was born with the fact that you have that quote-unquote IBM look. There's a brand for you. The blue suit, the white shirt, the red tie. Yep. You know, people are going to work now in ACDC shirts and ripped jeans. Not really appropriate. And right. they wonder why productivity is down, but that's a story for another time. I truly believe that you want to be dressed for the part. And so, you know, just a, as an off-the-wall comment, not even for consultants as much, but I'm just going to pick something hypothetical and say fitness professionals, make sure that if you own a gym, that the gym looks aesthetically pleasing, that phones are answered well, that members are answered well, that the phone calls are returned well, and people are greeted in as, in as a professional manner as possible. That's what I mean by something like that. The second thing, is to involve the people that you work with, whether it's an alliances, employees, full-time or part-time, doesn't matter. Let them meet your clients so that your clients get a better idea as to who is working for you and the quote-unquote team, as it were, that they will be working with. The other thing I like about that is when you bring other people on the call, they're going to hear things that you don't. And the third and most important about this is let your clients know that you're out there. The only way to remain consistent and create that loyalty is by keeping in contact with your client on a regular basis, a couple of times a month, a couple of times a week, whatever the case may be, depending upon the work that you're doing. But you have to be in their face. It's the only way that you're going to get the differentiation you are required to keep you away from competition.
not something you do once. It's an ongoing process. Very much so. Okay. Very, very much so. You know, as Great. I say to people, and I've learned from a mentor in the marketing business, you know, you can use the term consultant, you can use the term salesperson, and mentor that you and I had shared had said you're not in the consulting business, you're in the marketing business, and that is a full-time effort. Absolutely. We're all in the marketing business, <laughs> even if we don't have marketing in our title. That's right. So this has been great, Drew. I'm going to ask you one final question. Tell us about, you've mentioned technology, and technology is changing so much and altering what we do. How, how should one use technology to really help with sales and marketing optimization? You don't want to use technology for technology's sake. You know, there's all of these social networking things like LinkedIn and Twitter and Tweak and all of that other good stuff. Um, the other thing, and another thing that I'm in aberration of is CRM. You know, it means customer relationship management. I tend to feel it's a crappy reporting method because <laughs> some people just don't use it. Right. What has to happen is if you're going to use databases or you're going to use email or you're going to use a blog, make sure that, one, you're using things that your clients use. Because if there's such a, such a disparate world, then you're not connecting with your clients. Why bother? Two is make sure that when you're writing stuff or you're sending stuff, keep it succinct. People are too busy today to read lengthy newsletters and e-zines and all kinds of crazy stuff. So make sure it's very, very different and short. Third and most important, I tend to augment technology with the old-fashioned snail mail. And nobody at all in this free world is going to ever bemoan the fact of receiving a thank you card, a birthday card, or an anniversary card. And the one thing I've learned over the last several years is to stop sending holiday cards because everybody else sends them. So I do have done something differently for the last four or five years now. I send birthday, anniversary, and gratitude cards when I think that the client has done something nice for me. It doesn't matter what it is. Or I utilize technology and it's something known as Google AdWords or Google Keywords and keep track of my clients. And when I see them in the news, I clip out something in the news and I send it to them and I say, nice to see you've made a claim to fame. Something along those lines. Something nice that they're going to remember versus what everybody else in the world does. So as I was saying, use technology where you need to but do things different. It's all about product differentiation. It's all about differentiation. I think that's the key point. And it's your brand differentiation, how your customers, your employees differentiate you, and then using technology and, and marketing tools to differentiate you as well. Exactly. Great. Well, thank you, Drew. I really appreciate your time and sharing your thoughts with us. It We've has been, been my pleasure. Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Drew Stevens, and he is the president of Stevens Consulting Group. Uh, if you want more information, you can reach Drew at Drew at Drewst, and that's D-R-E-W, at D-R-E-W-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, consulting.com. Or Drew is also offering a free copy of his Sell Well Kit, which during these difficult economic times um, can really make a difference, and that is available at no charge by going to his website, and that's www.drewstevensconsulting.com slash free stuff. So thank you again, Drew. Thank you again, Linda. And this is our end of our episode. Thank you for everyone for listening. This is Linda Popke from Marketing Thought Leadership, and we'll see you again soon. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at 
www.l2massociates.com.